The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Christine Lavelle is my special guest, as well as answering your gardening questions on all things from clover, cucumbers and Christmas trees. We'll also bring you some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week, Philadelphus. Now, Philadelphus... There are nearly 60 species from 3 foot to 20 foot. It's actually a native of North America, but the one we're particularly talking about is going to be Philadelphus virginal. Now, Philadelphus virginal also has several other names. Mock orange. Why is it called mock orange? Because the flower is very similar and it has got an incredible perfume when it comes out. It comes out about now in our gardens. We often see people avoiding it because their mother or their aunt will say, you don't want to buy that one because they grow 15, 20 foot. Well, that's because nobody ever prunes the blooming things. So prune it. We will tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. However, what a great plant. Tolerant to pretty well all soils. It's tolerant to pretty well any position. It's just a very tolerant, beautiful, flowering, perfumed shrub. It's deciduous. It drops its leaves. It's, it's really a great plant to actually grow in your garden. It's named after an ancient Greek king called Phytelamine. Yeah, but in fact, it's got a thin, flaky-type stem. Um... It's the state flower of Idaho. There's a couple of other things that you might like to know. It's sometimes called syringa, completely wrongly, because syringa, of course you knew, is lilac. So why would you grow it? Well, you grow it because you can control it. After flowering, you can cut it as low as you want to. You can keep it at six foot, eight foot, anything like that, you can keep it. So it's a lovely plant to grow. Go out, smell them in the nursery or garden centre and then seriously go and buy one buy it smell it put it in your garden and enjoy philadelphia's virginal ken crowther this is bbc essex Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Christine and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Anne from West Clacton. We've never cut the lawns so short this time, but we did. Uh, we normally like, like a meadow, but we cut it short because we've got a lot of daisies. Now, the left-hand side has been thoroughly burnt because we haven't had any rain, and the right-hand side is smothered in daisies. What can we do? The right-hand side is is covered in daisies. Yeah, it's uh, all white. Yeah, well, so was the left-hand side. But the left-hand side, you know, he, he put it right down to the lowest. Or, the, yeah. you know, cut it really short this time. Yeah. He's never done it like that before. So one side of the grass has got burnt, and the other side is smothered in daisies. 
Right, I think I think what you've got to do is is um is uh can't is use a selective weed killer. Now, I think the trouble is with using a selective weed killer at this time of the year is that is that uh, the problem is that the lawn, as you quite rightly say, is ever so dry, isn't it? Yeah, oh yes, very, yes, yes, like chaff. Yeah, now when you use a selective weed killer on that, um, you will possibly damage the lawn, won't you, Christine? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd wait till you get a bit of rain. To yeah, use wait till you get some rain and wait till the, the green of the grass grows and then you could use a selective weed killer on it. You can't recommend one, no. Well, there's lots. I mean, I, I used to use one called Verdone. I don't know whether Verdone is still around, but it oh, yeah, must Verdone. be... What you're looking for is a selective weed killer. It must be a selective weed killer. Yeah, if you go to a garden centre, just yeah. go in and, and just uh, look for the range of selective weed killers, ask someone to give you a, a help with that. And then there's particular selective weed killers that are better for particular weeds. So, so you get a particular on one that's really good for clover, you get maybe one that's good for daisies and so on. And then, But the, there is a downside of using a selective weed killer that the, the clippings, you cannot put them on your compost heap for six months after. No, we have a wheelie bin come round every fortnight now. There you are, that'll that. do the job. That'll do the job, that's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, we've got clover and daisies in there, so yeah. I've got to get one that, that suffices yeah. isn't it? Yeah, go and, go and have a look in your garden centre and uh, look yeah. for a selected weed killer. OK, now we go to Steve in Leon C. What are we talking about today? What vegetables are you talking about today? Morning, Ken. My first year of growing veg, we're talking about potatoes, marrows, tomatoes, runner beans. Quick, OK, quick where should we start? Should we start with the potatoes then? Yes, they're about uh, <laughs> three and a half foot tall. Yep. Can I cut the foliage down because they're blocking the sun from my broad, broad <laughs> I like it. Did you earth them up? Yeah. Yeah, you told me to do that. Good, so you've been doing it all right. Have so you felt, have you felt, I mean, are they earlies, are they mids, are they lates, what are they? They are second earlies. Are we ready yet, will they? Oh, the, the, yeah, I would could say. Could you cut the foliage off? Yeah, well, you could maybe cut them a bit down. We used to do first earlies and we used to crop them at the end of June. Yeah, so if they're second earlies, <laughs> if but you might not get a good crop this year because it's been so dry. Have you been oh, watering them? a lovely crop. Yeah. Oh, you're really? digging them already? Yeah, but I'm, I'm nearly finished them. <laughs> oh, well, the answer is yes. If you're yeah. digging, digging them, yeah, yeah chop the foliage off. You won't have any I'm, trouble I'm at really all. I'm happy with my, my progress so far. <laughs> good, good. Tomatoes. So what's, cut them down a bit. If, if, you're cro if you're digging and cropping, yes, you can cut the foliage off them. Right, yeah. because this wind we've had this week has broken a few of the stalks and whatever. And it's, yeah, no problem yeah. at all. What about your right. tomatoes then? Tomatoes, yes, they're just coming on. Uh, can I do I take the side leaves off to let the sun in? No, no, right. Side shoots, but not leaves. Ah, well, ah. I wouldn't, not well, yet. Th there's many ways to skin a cat. Oh, you though, see, isn't there? Christine's going to say differently. You see, now if you've got um, if you've got your tomatoes to grow up to the height that you want them, are yeah. they? Yeah, about three foot tall. Yeah, you can actually take the bottom mm. leaves off. And right. that will that will mean that there's not as much shade there, and that will when your um, when your actual tomatoes go to ripen, they'll ripen better if you take the bottom leaves off. Lovely. Yeah. Right. Next. 
Marrows, can I take the big leaves off to allow the sun in? Mm, I wouldn't. I don't normally, no. No, not, no. Necess not necessary. The marrow doesn't necessarily need a huge amount of sun to ripen it until the end of the season. Right. And if you leave your marrows, take your marrows as they come. But as you go towards the end of the season, those latter marrows, yeah. that's when they need the sun to truly ripen and then you'll be eating them right through the winter but i'll give you a little tip for your marrows get a bit of straw and then put them underneath your marrow and it'll stop it from rotting and it helps um prevent it, it getting too wet next right, okay next <laughs> do i take the growing tips out now they're about five foot tall are they at the top of the sticks yeah yeah that's fine yeah do that okay, and then they'll bush up will they they will yeah. they'll side shoot a bit all right. Thanks very much. Steve, we expect a basket of vegetables, I reckon, from Steve, <laughs> don't you? Alice in Canvey Island. How can we help, Alice? Well, there's two things, actually. Good morning. Um, morning. Uh, I, I'm, I've uh, lost my sight, practically. I have very little sight, and I've got uh -huh. a great, enormous garden, which I've had for years, and I used to grow all my own vegetables. But at the moment, I'm thinking of moving because I can't cope. But I have got... The roses this year have been beautiful, haven't they? They're very good they this have, year. actually, yeah, yeah beautiful. Uh, and I have um, I've got some Battle of Britain roses, three, and they are absolutely gorgeous. Um, can you still buy them? Because I don't think you can take... I can't take roses with me where I'm going, can right. I? I have just looked up in a... It's, it's not the up-to-date one. It's 2017, yeah. find that rose, and I can't find Battle of Britain. No, they were a special rose yeah. that came out in honour of the Battle of Britain yeah. when it was one of the anniversaries, and they climb, and they're so beautiful. They're kind of peachy-coloured with pink, and the pink disappears as they open out. Um, I don't quite know. Can you can you somehow take cuttings or take a... If I can't... <laughs> you can take a cutting, yeah, well, but it won't be as strong, will yeah, it? Yeah, normally you, you bud them, but I've taken cuttings of, uh, of rosy. Yeah, roses. you can, and the best time to do them round about September. Oh, right, I probably won't be here in September. And the well, thing, i tell you what, if you're moving, ask yeah. the new people whether you can return. Well, this is the point. It's a great big garden, a big plot, which is unusual, but no-one wants big gardens, and they're just going to be like a till of the hun. My whole garden will just go, and the house okay. probably as well. All right. Do you know what? Thing, I, I, a bit of advice for you then. You know, if yes. you take a cutting now and then it doesn't root, you've not lost anything, so give no. it a go. Give it a go All and right. try them. Thank Potting you. compost, do it on the windowsill, and... Yep. Uh, Buy some hormone rooting powder, dunk it in there, put yeah. it on the windowsill and put a polythene bag over it. And give it a go. Alice, let us know whether you're successful. Hey, can, I, can I just ask the other thing? Is yep. When I was 80, I was given a lovely pear tree in a pot. So I put it in... I, I, it was a smallish pot, so I put... It was a dwarf one. Yep. So I put it in the garden. Uh -huh. And it's, lov it's lovely. It's not too tall yet, but... Um, could I dig that whole thing up and well, transplant I'm, it? I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but how how many years has it been in the ground? Um, at, well, eight. Eight years. It, eight um, years. it might be too lot too much to dig up, and you would have to dig it up after November. But again, yeah. you could give it a go. Give you it could, a go. You, you haven't lost, anything, you haven't lost you see? anything, you yeah. That's the thing. Give it a go. See how you get on. Let's go to Gordon in Leon C. Hello, Gordon. Oh, good morning, Sir Both. I'll try and be quick. That's <laughs> all right. 
I think you may have already dealt with this. Um, can you name a specific weed killer that will kill clover but not grass? Well, you need what we were saying earlier, wasn't yeah. it? You need specific weed killers. It's, it's, yeah. You need a lawn weed killer. The one we used to use was called Clovertox. Right. I don't right. know. I don't think Clovertox is around yeah, anymore. Yeah, you just have to go and see what's still on the market. It's called a selective weed killer. It doesn't kill the grass, but it kills broadleaf weeds such as clover and daisies and dandelions that are, you know. Um, very prominent weeds in your lawns, and so just go along to the local garden centre. Clover is difficult. Called that's what I wanted. Ah, Hi. well, you've got different brands. They've taken them off the market all the time, so you'd have to go in and see what types they had. But it's called a selective weed killer. Just a go selective into- lawn. Okay. What you're looking for is selective lawn weed killer. Okay, right. I'll try. And you mean that won't kill the grass then? No, if it's a selective lawn weed killer, that's the okay, important thing. Yeah, do you see what I mean? Now, um, it's something that you'll have a struggle to get rid of clover with a weed killer. Yeah. It will. It could take you a couple of years, I'm honest with you. It's okay. not an easy one to get rid of. Oh, right. I might not be in it. <laughs> no, it is. It is a bit. No, that's all right. It's a bit of a devil and uh, to get rid of, okay? Yeah. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Christine, what's your first one? Well, the first tip of the day is your garden is desperate for water. <laughs> it so is, isn't it? It's so dry. I mean, in some of the really overhung areas with the trees, it's just like dust, the, the soil. So my first tip of the day is to water your garden. And the tip is to water it thoroughly and less often. So when you go to water your garden, make mm. sure you get the sprinkler on or the washing can and, and get it to the point where it's puddling on the surface. And that means that your soil's got to the capacity that it should do for, for holding the water. And then stop there, allow it to drain through. And it might be a few days before it gets really dry again. And then you water again. Don't do it every day because otherwise your plants will start to surface root. And also, then, it's a waste of water, really, isn't it, doing it every day? Because it oh, doesn't, absolutely. they don't benefit as much, do they? No. Nope, so do it less often, but do it thoroughly. That's very important. So what's your next one for us? Well, the next one is I'm going to give you a tip on is feeding <laughs> your hanging baskets. Uh, Mick and I, we've got a lovely little courtyard garden, and so we don't have much in the way mm. of borders. We've got lots of tubs and hanging baskets. It's a nice south-facing garden. Oh, gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, so hot. lots of experience as well is at work, is at home as well with it with these. And so uh, top tip is to feed them. Even if you've put that slow-release fertiliser, yeah. you know, the little yellow Granules, or green yeah. bobbles, uh, like ball bearings that you've got, that slow-release fertiliser, you still need to give them a liquid feed every two weeks. So you could use um, tomorite, uh, tomato food yeah. uh, and so do that every two weeks to the instructions probably a couple of catfuls in a washing can and then do that every two weeks and that will really keep them in prime condition the reason I say tomorite is because it's high in potash it is isn't it 
So tomato food's really important. That's what we're saying there. Yeah, yeah, and the and the potash will help it to flower and fruit for the tomatoes, but flower for your bedding plants that are mainly the the type of plants that you put in your hanging baskets. That's what I was going to ask you. What do you actually put in hanging basket? Is it just flour, or do you try vegetables at all? Uh, well, we one year we did vegetables. Mick and I did a, an organic garden book, oh, right. and they actually asked us to do a, a vegetable garden in a domestic situation. Yeah. So we actually put Swiss chard as our central dot plant, the centre centre plant with the with a lovely, I think it was yellow and pinky and um, uh, or reddish stems in there. We did tumbling tom tomatoes. We did nasturtiums. Um, and then did, it did, strawberries. did it all work? Did it all work? It looked lovely. Oh, it did work. But it it's, did. It, I think you've got to be very careful with the watering because the drawing of... They're using a lot of water, aren't they? Especially Absolutely. Swiss chard and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. No, it really did work. But I don't know, a slightly shadier position. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't in full sun all the time. Um, I don't think we did all the baskets in fruit and veg. But the, the most successful tub that we did that I really appreciate this plant afterwards was the courgette, the marrow. It's got beautiful architectural oh, foliage. And they hang down with the courgettes hanging on yeah. them, don't they? Yeah, oh, we never had, we just had that in a, a, a no, big in a tub. tub though, but yeah. it will oh, hang yes. over the side, won't it? Yeah. yeah, and the flowers were lovely and then we had the fruits and we had it with a purple millet at the back. Right. And then when I was sitting in the living room, you could see the birds coming down to feed on it later on in the autumn. The sparrows came done the seeds so the trick is there yes we've got to feed but it's a thought for another year isn't it don't forget that you can grow veg and fruit in baskets and tubs yeah absolutely and herbs are another good one to ken thank you christine and we'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther Hello, good morning. Um, Yeah, I've got two problems. Um, First of all, um, two years ago, we bought a Christmas tree. I'm I'm not really sure what species it is, but we bought a Christmas tree with roots and we've potted it um, and and we had it in the front and it looked lovely. Um, And then we we, um, suddenly had to move it because we were building a porch and I noticed that some of the needles on the branches have gone quite brown and were spreading quite rapidly. Um, I looked up on the internet, I don't know whether I should have done, and it said it could be a fungal infection. So I went out straight away and bought it. It doesn't seem to be getting any worse, but the brown is still there. Um, right, let's, let's take you back to the Christmas tree. Is it? It's not in a pot. It's in the ground. Yes. No, no. It's in a pot. It's in a. It's in a. Uh, a, a container. A, a very oh, large container. A large container. All you did is move it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't dig it up. No. 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 Didn't dig it up. It was always we. We bought it with rooted system um, right. two years ago, and then we put it in the the pot, and lovely. it's been growing lovely. And it's got like little little light green tips on the ends of the frog. Yeah, that's the, fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we've actually got a conifer at work that's actually doing quite similar things. And oh. it, have a have a really good look in, uh, into the needles of it and see if it's got any insects in there because we've got aphids on one of ours and it's um, it's just because there's an infestation of aphids. It actually causes needle drop and them to go brown and then drop off. Oh. So it could be it's an insect. It's more likely to be that, that actually yeah. than fungal. 
Yeah. Right, aphids. Right, I'll have a look for aphids. Yeah, we'll do. And then give it a spray just with a... In fact, you can use a contact um, contact spray. Just use just use an ordinary spray for aphid, and that yeah. should that should help it. Yeah. And right. then the other important thing at this time of year is that you feed it. Are you yeah. feeding it? Oh no, I've not fed it. No. Oh. And the other thing is, it could be is water it because um, at this time of year, mm. you know. You, we very often, you know, water our bedding plants and our hanging baskets, but we forget about our permanent plants and pots, such as trees and shrubs and so on. So, you know, give it a really good water two, three times a week. And right, a water, yep. water and a liquid feed. Because that, yeah. yep. yeah. that will cause needle drop if, it doesn't, um, if you don't give it enough. What was your right. other question, Yvonne? And the other question was, we've got a pear tree in the garden yep. and it's got, like, bright orange, really bright, bright orange dobs all over the leaves. Yep. You've got rust. Oh, <laughs> have I? <laughs> is, it a big, is it a big tree? Yes, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Would you worry, Christine? No, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, oh. some years you get your rust worse than, uh, worse than others, and usually it's in drier years, yeah. isn't it, you, you get oh. your rust. And then you might not get it next year, or you might not get as much of it. So The I important worry. thing is to clear up, isn't it? When If leaf drops, it's yeah. clear up and get it away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, thank you, that's it then, because this is the first time that we've had the orange. I've never noticed the orange before. Um, it's because it, it's, it's so it's dry. It's rust and it's dry. It is a problem this year. Yeah. You always get loads of stuff thrown at us at this time of the year. Don't worry about it, but see that cleanliness is so important in gardens. Let's oh, go absolutely. to Maureen in Hockley. What are you up to, Maureen? Good morning. Um, earlier this week, I bought a beautiful cornice tree which I intend to put in a huge pot that I've got. Which one have you bought? Is it the American Cornus? It's the one that has little strawberry-like um, things on and then it goes a beautiful colour in the winter. I'm not sure which one it is, but I know Monty Don was planting it last night, which is where I come for this question. I also ordered plants to go underneath to underplant it. And yeah. then I ordered a load of six bags of tree and shrub compost. Yeah. So that's all come. That's fine. Anyway, watching Gardener's World last night, as luck would have it, Monty was putting a cornice into a large pot. I thought, great, I can learn a few things here. Anyway, he said homemade compost, which is fine. He's got it, I haven't. He also yeah. said leaf mould, which he's got, and I haven't. I was all right mm -hmm. then. Then he said, and ericaceous soil, which I honestly didn't know about. It. So I've ordered, I've got all this tree and shrub mix, and no ericaceous soil. Is he right? I'm not questioning him. No, no, well, do you know... Corn is so... I think it's the American cornus. Yeah, and it, it sounds like... It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to no. be ericaceous. Do you know, there's certain plants that absolutely have to be in ericaceous compost, and these are things like your skimmias, your rhododendrons, your azaleas, but something like a cornus is very similar to... Uh, a Japanese maple or a magnolia that can grow in alkaline soils as well as acidic, yeah. but probably prefers acidic, but will still grow in uh, other types of soils. So, so your compost fine, is fine. Will it? Sorry, it'll still be fine then. Yes, I think I think sadly, um, and I'm not criticising Monty, but he's very specific about what he does. But you can't always follow exactly, as you quite rightly say. Leaf mould is something that's pretty well impossible to even get hold of. So, um, but we think we think you're talking about this American cornus, which yeah. is the one that has a lovely flower and does go a fantastic autumn colour yeah. as well. 
um, I wouldn't worry at all. The only thing I would personally do, this is me, you see, yeah. what I would do, which he didn't say, is I would add a soil-based compost if it's in a permanent planting. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. And yeah. I'd do it half and half. You see, I'd use a John in his number three, half and yeah. half with what you have. Yeah. So if you're actually going to go out and buy a John Innes compost, you can actually get John Innes ericaceous compost. And you could get a bag of that and mix it in with you, the compost you've got already. I was hoping you were going to say that. I really was hoping that. Oh, well, that's because great I've got then. Six bags of the tree and shrub, and I thought, how in the yeah. hell am I going to get it back? Yeah, uh, no, no, it'll be use, fine. Use half of it and add a soil-based compost, and try to get an ericaceous soil-based Johninus. All and right. Should I add a lot of grit as well? I have got a bag of grit. Um, and putting a bit of grit in it will open up. It won't do it any harm. But the other thing is, if you get some slow-release compost to put, and add, uh, so slow-release fertil- fertilizer. Add that in as well. All right. Right, lovely. Thank you very much for your advice. Thank no you. No problem, Maureen. We've, the trouble is with gardening, you can ask one question and get ten answers, and that's the problem. <laughs> Linda from Chelmsford. Hello, Linda. Good morning to you both. Um, I've got a Japanese maple, the Acer, in the mm-hmm. flower bed, and it's got really crowded by other bushes around it. I'd like to move it. Have they got very long roots? Ooh. When can I dig it up? Oh, <laughs> The roots are quite shallow. Oh, Some of them go deep down, but uh, it, it's got quite a big root plate on it. How old? How how long's it been there? Probably about no longer than five years. It might. Oh, that's not three. too bad. You see, it's it, about two and a half foot to three foot tall. Is it growing beautifully? Is it growing yeah, it nicely? Lovely. Are the other shrubs as important as your old Japanese maple? Probably not. That would be my answer. <laughs> That's a good point, Ken. I would move the others or prune the others hard back yep. and leave the Japanese maple alone because they don't like being moved yeah. too much. No, they don't. Oh, OK. Right, I'll have What do you got up. next to if, it? If you do decide to I, move I, it... Yes. If, no, hang on. Let, go through, Christine. We'll tell you how to move it anyway. Oh, yeah, okay. if you do decide to move it, don't do it until the leaves have dropped off in the, in the autumn time. You're going into the winter. So a good time to move it would be November, December... January, right. February, and uh, and then you want to make sure that you give it a really good sort of like root ball. So when you stick your spade in to to dig it up, take it right to the outside where the branches stop, and maybe even a little bit beyond, and make sure that you don't try and undercut it to dig down and then dig under, and then try and get as much root out as possible. All right, because if if I've got to take the spade to the edge of the leaves, then there's plants in the way, so. As you say, it might be better to move something else. Or even prune them. Prune yeah. them hard back. I think yeah. Ken's suggestion was really yeah. good to actually just move the plants around your maple. Yeah, and it's also the soil there's very dry. I do water all the time, but I wonder what can I put in the soil? Can I put a soil improver in to make it? You could mulch better? it. You could uh, you use your com- yeah. You you could well if in you water it if you water give it, it heavily, yeah. Yeah, and then you yeah. could mulch it. But again, mulch it in the autumn. That would be a good okay. time after the rains have come. All right. right. Go out and study now and see what I can move. Okay, Linda, but keep listening. Let's go to Mike in Canby Island. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ken. Um, I want to help me. I've got growing um, a couple of cucumbers. They're Socrates in my greenhouse, in a pot in the greenhouse. I'm just wondering, how high do I let the stems grow before I can start cutting off the side shoots? I and mean, it's like a jungle in there at the moment. What? Just to, to the top. To the top of, of, of the, the greenhouse. To, yeah. Have you got a cane or have you got a string that you're growing it on? 
I'm tying them up, and I'll put. Yeah, when you get to the top of your your string that you're tying it up with, you can cut, uh, cut it off uh, then. But just keep uh, side shooting it as you go along. Just let the side shoots come out and cut it when it gets to the top. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. When your growth gets to the top, when your actual cue, when your shoot gets to the top, you can cut it off there. But just cut your side shoots off now. But the side shoots are producing cucumbers. <laughs> yeah, if they're produ- yeah, that's what. No. You, yes, you're talking about yeah shoots that are producing cucumbers. You leave if it is growing sideways and too big. You just tip them back. Yeah. Okay. Do you see what I mean now? Yeah, and what I see Chris, what you mean. But what, what I'm doing is I'm also putting strings in to tie the side shoots up. That's all right. And now, say it's becoming like a jungle in there. That's all right. You just basically you you cut you trim it trim it back to suit the, the position because when they grow them commercially they'll grow them up and then sideways and they'll let them work sideways and then they take out shoots that they don't need does okay that, does I'll, that... I'll try that then thanks very much that's okay um, we look forward to tasting a cucumber there I think don't you yeah, yeah I love cucumber Ruth from Stansted hello Ruth hiya what, what are you doing Right. Basically, what it is, I've got um, some purple sprouted broccoli, but the leaves are coming up beautifully, but I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, I'm being a bit glib here because purple sprouting broccoli doesn't produce the shoots until the latter end of the summer. Right. So basically, okay. it's producing... A, what's it done? Is it a single shoot? No, it's just leaves, massive leaves that are just sort of coming out. Right, and it's quite a sturdy stem? Yeah, it is, yeah, they're quite thick ones. Yeah, I just leave it, just um, make sure you keep washing it. Keep feeding. Yeah. <laughs> so how do I prune it? Do I need to prune it back or anything? No, no, you just leave it. As long as it's sturdy and strong, leave well alone. You've got a lovely plant, and I look forward to a, a, a basket of purple sprouting broccoli. I would also I've got another question for you. We've got a problem with like the blackberries as well. How do we kill them off? Right. How do you, what you're trying to get rid of blackberry from from yeah. what are they a pest? Yeah, they are an absolute nightmare. As soon as we get to cut it down, it grows back with a vengeance. Have you tried digging them out? Yes, we have. There <laughs> um, is SPK. SPK would be the yeah. best. If you've right, got, okay. you got the garden set, there's SPK, and um, you can spray that on. But or actually, you can do you paint know, it on, you can, it, can't it? In a small garden, you should be able to dig it out, really. You should just keep keep persevering at digging it out and make sure that you get the buds at the base of the blackberry. Yeah. And, uh, but if they're coming from next door... Yeah, well, that means... Yeah, I think Christine's right. Dig out the worst, and as they emerge, then paint SPK on them. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's the one. Thank right, you. Thank you. That's a pleasure. That's Ruth from Stansted. She was happy. She was a happy <laughs> lady. So we go to Emma from Rochford. Hello, Emma. Oh, hello, Ken. Right, you've got a little piece of ground. Yes. What's it gone at the moment? Weed? Oh, oh no, it is. There were flowers. We've had flowers all the time. It's got right. flowers on it now. Yeah, so I thought if I all done No, is I, it all I want to know is is it clear of weed completely? Well well no, not at the moment, but I hope to get it that way. Right, no, that's what I'm trying to get at. If you're if you're gonna put stones and a membrane down, yeah, 
Well, I'm thinking not a memory. I'm hoping that it will be all right without a memory. No, it won't be. The weeds will come up through the stone. Oh, will they? And that's that's what I'm trying to get at, is that if you do that, you need to kill the weeds first, definitely, maybe even using a weed killer, and oh, then yeah. secondly, you must put a membrane down, must yeah, be Yeah, absolutely, because if you just put the gravel oh. or the stones down on the, the soil, oh. Oh. You, you'll actually have a, a worse scenario than you've got at the moment. Yes. Oh, well, anyway, I'd right. like to, thank you. I've tried to, uh, to, to, just, uh, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to put your plants in pots then, or are you going to grow them through? Well, the... you see, I want to, quite honestly, I want to do away with... Uh, plants all together apart and I felt that if it was you know if I had some, some nice stones over there yeah um, I know what I've got to do beforehand did were you going to see you like want one in the middle yeah well I ought to have a little plant there now I want yeah. something that, that is, is uh, that won't grow very much and it's easy and it's in the shade and um I, I box I, I've taken a, a box. Is a, it box takes the Do you want it to flower as well? Uh, well? Well, I'm thinking of a gardenia. Would it, that be a, a gardenia? Yes, I've, it looks so lovely. I saw the gardenia. Somewhere. I agree, they're beautiful, but they're very difficult to get into flower, and they're not. Oh, I know okay. they've got some hardy varieties, but they're not that hardy. Now, you suggest something then? A little plant that won't, won't be much trouble. Do you know? What, I mean, for babies. Well, Hebe's... They will grow they, big, won't they? Yeah, but they're, they're better in full sun than in shade. Yeah. Um, choicier? Ordin- the green choicier tonata yeah. would flower? It does. It depends on how high it's going to be. How, how high can it grow? I, don't want, I only want it quite small, I'm afraid. So what's that, about a metre, about three foot? Yeah, a metre, no more than a metre. Yeah, pot and tillers. I don't want to have much any work on it. Yeah, potentillas go to. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a little Lots shrubby um, plant, and it's got in, flowers in June. Get, and you can get pink ones, can't you? Yeah. You can get pink. You can oh, get yellow, right. white. Right, thank you. Thank you so much for the advice on that. Kane Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Right now on the BBS's Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Christine have got some more top tips. Now, my first one is deadheading roses. This week, I've been doing lots of climbers. Uh, in fact, it was, I don't know what one it was, because it's been on this, uh, it's in a client's garden, actually, and it's right along a long wall. Oh, lovely. There's about six bays with this same pink perfumed rose. It is gorgeous, oh. but it leaves lots of deadheading, as you can imagine. And the reason so have you been busy? I have been very busy. <laughs> so cutting out the dead ones so yeah. that the new buds can show, and that's really important, isn't it? But yeah. it's to encourage new growth and new buds, isn't it? Yeah, because quite often people deadhead, but they don't know why they're doing it. Maybe yeah. just to make it look better, but it has a purpose. It has a purpose, a, mu- a really big purpose. So whether you've got bush roses, floribundas, hybrides, any roses, yeah. doesn't matter. Climbers, ramblers, dead head. Because even some of those ramblers do actually uh, come up again. They show new flowers. Yeah. I know ramblers in theory don't, but a lot of the new ones do. And just a tip, something that I would do as we go through June and the flowers start to diminish, give them a good rose food as well. 
helps, oh, doesn't it? really helps, mm. yeah. Another thing you should be deadheading is your bedding plants. We just talked about feeding them earlier on, but if you could deadhead them as well, just like Ken said earlier, if you remove the old flower buds, uh, the old flower heads from them, it encourages the plant to produce new flower, uh, new flowers. And so some species are better, you know, it, it need deadheading than others. So things like geraniums, if you didn't deadhead them, they'd soon run out of um, energy and then they stop flowering. Biden's that little yellow star one. That's terrible. Don't worry much over that. Do you, yeah, do you deadhead that? I do. Yeah, because it seems to last a little bit longer. And petunias absolutely oh, got to be done, haven't they? Got to be done. Yeah. And French marigold, all those old-fashioned things yeah. as well. But labial, you can just leave them to do their yeah. own thing and don't bother about deadheading, <laughs> and then they just usually stop flowering anyway by the end of the season. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, we talked about, you know, why do we do these things? And the same thing applies really to bedding, isn't it? It's trying to produce seed to plant, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it, it, all plants are trying to produce seed. That's what they're doing, isn't it? They're yeah. flowering to produce seed. To, yeah. uh, to carry repro- on the re- genes to the next that's life. That's right. Yeah. So really what you're doing is stopping them doing that. Yeah. And therefore they're thinking, hang on, I've got a flower again. Yeah. I've got to produce some more seed. Yeah. I've got to have the flowers <laughs> to produce the seed. Yeah, it makes sense. It does make sense. So they are dead-edge your bedding and I suppose uh, give them... Would you give them a liquid feed as well while you're doing that? Oh, it wouldn't do any harm. Wouldn't. But uh, another little top tip for um, when you're feeding, make sure that your compost is moist before you feed. If you actually feed a liquid feed onto a dry compost it can burn the roots so good practice is to to water it perhaps the night before and feed it in the morning or vice versa but not in hot sun no because you can burn the foliage can't yeah, you best doing it in morning or in the evening well keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hints and tips to come the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther a Father's Day present of an orchid. Very nice. Well, you might think so. I don't know <laughs> <I'd be. laughs> I think it's an ugly-looking plant person. <laughs> Which orchid have you got? Which I hope one they're you... not listening. Yeah. Uh, so am I. No, they won't be listening. It just says a morel. M-A-A-R-E-L. It's a Netherlands thing, you know, um, NL thing. Oh, I saw these Dutch labels. So, yeah. what's the flower like? Tell us what the flower's like. Yeah. Uh, is it very... Right, first, does it look like a pansy? Yes. Oh, but that'll me, be phalaenopsis. It's a phalaenopsis. Yeah. It's, it, it's a cream one with yellow tinges in the centre. Yeah. It's, it's a phalaenopsis it's the most common type, one. so yeah. that's fine. What, right. Well, it's supposed to be 20 to 25 centimetres high, yeah. And at this stage, it's 70 centimetres. Yeah, yeah. Oh. no, they do get quite big. The leaves hmm. will be really quite short, won't they? And it'll right. just be... Is it um, the leaves quite short? Uh, no, they're they're sort of vying against the amaryllis almost. No, not quite. About half no, the length of an amaryllis. Yes, <laughs> but are they... They're just at the bottom, aren't they, of yeah. the plant? With the flower yeah. stalk very high, yes? Very, very high. And it's yeah. It's on your email, actually. Is it? Oh. <laughs> and it's got some sort of silver root sticking out the top. That's right. Yeah. So, Which what would you like to? What would you like to know? What do you want to know about it? Well, do I repot it into a bigger pot? It's a tiny little pot, and it's got all green roots. 
It's a transparent pot, and the roots are sort of yep. sticking up the side of the... Right, OK. It's it's an easy... It's a, it is a phalaenopsis. Yeah, I can see we it. We can see the picture now. It's right. You don't fight. The roots are aerial roots, so you definitely yep. don't pot them. They actually really like being root-bound um, phalaenopsis. Well, as happy August. as it is. Yeah. Oh, right. And so if you didn't like the pot itself, you could go out and buy a new one, but I'd still get one the same size and put it in there. And then if you were going to repot it, you'd have to get a special orchid um, compost, which is mainly made up of bark, and then you would repot it in the springtime. Oh, thank you. Right. Yeah. I, I used to work in the orchid three. department at Kew. I loved it. <laughs> and and the the only it right, the <laughs> only thing, just a quick reminder here as well, you ought to feed it while it's in flower, feed it with an orchid feed, yes. and they've got these little dripper orchid feeds that you just cut the end off, stick yeah. it in the pot, and it feeds. Oh, I can't use uh, tomato right or anything like that. You could it's... do if you've got it. It's yeah. just very easy. Water it with tepid water. Yeah. Let the Stand it in water till it's covered. Stand it on the draining board a couple of times a week, and that's it. Simple yeah. as oh, that. Right. Okay. Yeah, don't use cold water straight. Indeed. Yeah, don't use cold water straight out the tap. Tepid water always. We go now to Maureen, and we haven't forgotten you, Alan. We'll be with you in just a little while. Maureen from Braintree. Hello, Maureen. Hello to you both. Hello. Um, I have a camellia in a pot. Last year it got sooty mould, and we did all the necessary tipped it on its side, got as much off as we could. It's looking much better this year. After flowering, I sprayed it again. What other advice would you give me? Um, I think it's a tiny little bit, but it's not showing a lot. This is the camellia with the black sooty stuff on it? Yes, but it's it's practically all gone because it produces a white, doesn't it? A, a white, you're going to look for that white insect on the back of the leaf. You've basically got an aphid of some sort yeah. or a scale insect. Uh, you could use a Bug Clear Ultra is the only spray that's left that's of any good for getting rid of that. Yeah? Yes. And that might be worth using if it's a scale insect. Yeah. It'd be quite difficult to yeah. get rid of. For the aphid, you could use soft soap so, if you want to be yeah. environmentally friendly because your sooty mould is only secondary. a secondary infection from from all the sort of um, the, the sugary sap that comes out from the feeding of the insects. All right. right. And I just feed it with perhaps um, seaweed. Is it yeah, liquid seaweed. Well, I, I'd, I'd use um, sequestered, uh, yeah, sequestered iron. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could use a general feed, a, yeah, like mm. seaweed extract, and also sequestered iron. Right. Thank you. And the other question: a couple of years ago, we asked you about. Um, I think everybody's getting it this year. A little purple flower that's on the lawn and it's spreading terrible. We had got rid of it, but it's back with a vengeance. Um, we have seen, uh, what was the name you mentioned earlier, Re Resolver? There's, clo uh, no, clover, there's a Clover Tox, which gets clover or... What was the other one? I did mention another one. I've forgotten completely what I mentioned. But you need a selective weed killer for it. Yeah. And the other thing I might have said, which is not on the label, and you shouldn't do it, and I shouldn't tell you how to do it, but I'll tell you what I did, <laughs> and that is I rake it with a spring rake. I then cut it 
but not in the dry weather because if you do this in dry weather you'll burn the lawn yeah because you should never put a weed killer on a lawn when you've just cut it but in fact if you cut this weed you seem to get the weed killer into it better if you've raked it and cut it yeah so you can go over it with the shears and then just treat with a selective weed killer Selective lawn weaker. Um, you're expecting rain. It mustn't be done now when it's dry. It mustn't be done when it's dry. That's the most important thing. Right. All right. Just a little story on that orchid. Yep. I always thought years ago, I love orchids, that you only give them a certain amount of water. Yeah. And a friend of mine with MS said, oh, he said... Do you want this orchid? And I looked and it was standing in water, which you know orchids mustn't do. Yep. I took it home, put it in a, a different room out the way where it wasn't sunny, and it's had three branches with flowers. There it, you go. Oh, well done. Standing in water. Maureen, thank you for that story because it's lovely to pick up something that needs looking after in life and there you are, you've got <laughs> one there. Alan from Whitford, what can we do with you, Alan? Alan, what are the signs that either an apple or a pear tree are ready for the great orchard in the sky? When they die. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, they need to be replaced by a younger model. <laughs> per occasionally. Per personally, honestly, I... I don't know what Christine's like. I never give up with fruit trees no, I mean, unless they, have, they have literally stop growing. The, the, the life cycle stage is called senescence when it starts to die. And, it, and some plants can be very quick and some plants can be over a period of They're time. Slow, and they? then with fruit trees, it is the decline is actually over you know, quite a, a, a good period of time, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20, even 30 years sometimes, you'll see them. Uh, the first signs usually is um, where they start to die back in the tips. And you get this sort of staghorn so effect. Are you... yours dying or not? I oh, know from what you say, mine are in their prime. Oh, well, that's well, no, <laughs> no need for a younger fifth, model. Yeah, they're you're looking 50 years odd old years. And, Don't, uh, no, I was I just wouldn't. wondering. No, okay. Do a bit of summer pruning to open them up. Yeah, done that, that. That does less growth. So you're doing all the right things. Yeah, it reduces vigour. All right, yep. Alan. Okay, bye. Colin in Harridge. Hello, Colin. Yeah, hello, Ken. Hi. Very good, uh, good day to you. Uh, we're back to marrows again. Yep. I've got three um, long green bush marrow yep. plants which yes. have grown in a, on a mound of uh, compost. I've got a couple of small marrows coming, which are the size of a courgette. But after that, all I'm seeing is these flowers that don't have fruit. Shall I take all them off? You've got lots of my, you've got you generally get more male flowers than you'll get female. Um, I wouldn't. They will drop. They drop yeah. off naturally. Yeah, you just don't, don't have worry. To yeah, don't worry. They'll worry fall off. They'll fall off. Oh right, okie dokie. And so then just pick them up. The marrows can or, you eat marrow? Stuff? You must be able to eat marrow flowers, can't yeah, you? Yeah, I you think it's courgette a... flowers, so yeah. you must be able to eat marrow yeah. flowers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you you want to eat? You wouldn't want to eat these. They're full of little black beetles. Oh, they've got yes, <laughs> corn, corn beetles. Yes. <laughs> no, leave well alone, and they'll look after themselves, Colin. So they are. That's Colin from Harwich, and we now go to Stephen. No, where are we? Where, 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 where? Stephen in Colchester. Hello, Stephen. Um, I've got an orchid that I bought two years ago, a blue one, um, and then it went white last year, and then we heard about putting food colouring in it, but it hasn't gone blue. How much food colouring do you have to put in it? 
Oh, I've never done that before. Have you We've done never that, done Ken? That, no. Yeah. Oh. I mean, in theory, most of the stuff that we're buying today that's funny coloured is either sprayed or yeah. fed with with a high amount of colourant in the water. Right. So you just so have to test what, it out. Yeah. So what's stopping me? trying to put food colouring in it then or, or would you nothing no, no nothing I mean a food colourant is the same as a colourant you would use in a water so yeah, I mean, you know, give it a go if you want go. yeah and you just have to try okay. and error or google it to see what you know what someone else has done yeah. in the past but and if anyone can tell us on air well we'll be happy to hear from them how about that Stephen Lovely, thank you, Ken. All right, but keep trying and let us know how you get on because we'd be interested. Has anybody done that? Put food colouring in their plants to make them blue or purple or whatever you like. <laughs> Pam in Tiptree. Hello, Pam. Hello, Ken. Um, yeah, I've got masses and masses of flowers on my running beans. They're looking really good, but the flowers are just dropping off and there's no beans coming. <laughs> I've just left with little stalks and that's it. Nothing, no be- I've got one little bean on, the, on there at the moment, but no, all the others, the flowers are just dropping and that's it. Is that a lack of pollinators? There's le- or yeah. cold, the nights are cool at the yes, moment. Yes, they are. Yeah. I think yeah. it's some of that. Yeah. Oh, there's, right. There's nothing okay. you can do. Uh, <laughs> spraying sometimes helps to pollinate uh, with a mister. Okay, yeah. Which yeah. you can do in the evenings. That okay. sometimes helps. Oh, right, I'll do try that then, yeah. Okay, lovely. I'll, I'll see All how right. that goes then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Christine has for us this week. Oh, well, a job that we've been doing all week in the garden is weeding. There's a lot of weed. Yeah, especially in the areas where you have water. They're all springing up everywhere. And so just a little reminder for everyone, because I'm sure everyone can weed, but have a look in your books to see which which weeds are annuals. That's uh, weeds that just last for, for the year and then they die. And which ones are perennials? These are the ones that come back year after year after what, year. What, like thistles, dock and all that sort of thing? Thistles, dock, that horrible bindweed, oh. ground elder. Yeah. Oh, got a pain in my chest just thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) but just uh, the the tip is to you can put your annual weeds on your compost heap but put them in a separate bucket or a separate pile your perennial weeds because you don't want to be putting these in your compost heap because if you mix them up and they decompose then you put that compost in your garden you'll just be spreading your perennial weeds everywhere so a little tip that I picked up when I went to the old uh, Organic Association garden down in Kent when it was still there was they had a, a domestic garden and they had a, a black bin and all they did was put the perennial weeds in there with a little bit of water, oh, right. put the lid on and then the weeds would just go round and round and round the bin looking for a bit of light and spend themselves out <laughs> and then in the end you were just left with this mush at the end that you could put on your compost heap after a little while. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, all big gardens have similar things. Yeah. At Beth Chatter Gardens, yeah. they've got a separate border where they put all their uh, really pernicious weeds on. Yeah. At Rittle College, we've got an area up the back of the college where we put the perennial weeds and don't mix it in, mm. uh, you know, with the, with the main compost. Keep it separate. And one of the other ones that we were doing this week, keeping separate because it is a terrible weed, is that little Oxalis. Oh, that's the everywhere one, this year. Yeah, the one that looks like clover with mm. the, with the yeah. three the three uh, leaves on it yeah and it's sort of purplish sometimes it's green but mainly it's sort of a purplish colour 
So there, look out for that one. And what's your next tip then, or your final tip? Sorry. Yeah, and the other one that I've seen in our actual McInerys garden at home is the slug and snail damage. Ah, yeah, and I thought with dryish weather we wouldn't have it, but it is, yeah. it's, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's year? really, really bad, and even in newly emerging leaves, and it just, it, you know, they started munching on it, it just really looks untidy, doesn't it? So... I would say for someone who tries to garden organically, not wholly sometimes, but tries to, I would get some beer traps in the garden uh, and then you can catch them that way. You can also take your children out in the garden at night time because they often, you know, mainly come out at night with the torches, pick them off and then someone's got to crush them. That's the unfortunate thing. You can't just put your snails over the garden wall because they They do come come back. They come back, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. They've actually done a trial in that. It's something like about 20 metres. I know, Uh, incredible. They home in, don't they? Come back. Yeah. Um, but you can obviously buy slug pellets, but there has been evidence to show that that does get into the food chain. So I you try not to. I try, try not, not to. to. Yeah. Sometimes you have to because yeah. the pests will overtake you. But organic method is obviously a better way of doing yeah. it in a way, isn't it? Yeah. And an old neighbour of mine, she took us to the garden centre a couple of years ago and we went and bought these wool pellets you can put on your pots and your hanging baskets. Mm-hmm. And I thought, not really sure about these but when I went back to visit her they worked really well so they're these um, sort of pellets that expand out when they've they've got moisture in them and you put them in between shared petunias and uh, it worked extremely well as an, another organic method so look out for an organic yeah. method for slugs and snails yeah thank you Christine let's get straight back to your gardening questions now hello Ken and Christine um, hello the chappy at the second corner covered most of my points. But I was wondering about the strawberry leaves. I've got loads and loads of big strawberry leaves. Can I cut them back a bit? You could do, yeah. This is just to ripen your, your strawberries? Uh, well, I've picked most of them. There's not many left now. I've had 20 pounds of strawberries up to now. I didn't get a punnet sent in here, did I? Oh, I sent them. They must have got missed in the post. They must have done, Alan. I reckon that's what happened. You can cut your strawberry leaves right the way back to getting your But you foliage. normally do it after fruiting, don't you? Yeah. Um, as I say, my fruiting's nearly finished. No, yeah. is this what we're saying? If the fruiting is nearly finished, yes, you can do it. Yeah? Right. Does that um, make sense? Yeah. How about my currant bushes and apples? I've got uh, new shoots shooting out the top. Some of them are nearly two foot long. Can I cut those back or should I leave them? Yeah, now they'll be producing runners. So if you want to grow more strawberries, they'll have ru- They'll eventually... Oh, no, sorry, pro- oh, no, the apple trees. Oh, sorry, I've jumped. Bushes. Yeah. No. Right. No, is that in your apple trees? Uh, yeah, the apple trees are about uh, 15, 18 inches long, the, the new shoots coming out the top. Yeah, you can you can prune these back now uh, during your summer prune for your fruit and it will reduce the vigour on it as well, so that would be a good thing what, to do. about a third? Uh, OK, how about yeah. the currant bushes? Uh, black currants and red currants, they're, they're coming shooting straight up. Prune after fl- after fruiting? Yeah. Yeah, Very and so these these new shoots that are coming up, the, that'll the be the wood that you growth. yeah, that's the wood that you want to keep for the following year. Right. And then you prune out the older uh, wood after it, it after it fruits. So the only trouble with that is some of the new shoots are coming out the old uh, wood. So if I cut out the old wood, I'm cutting out the new shoots as well. You cut it you down have to too. Be selec- yeah. You have to be selective and cut some of them out completely to encourage new growth from the base for oh, the future, yeah. and then okay. leave some that you've got and just tip them. Right. OK, 
Okay, thank you very much. Is that all right? Yeah, fine, thanks, yeah. Oh, well, buckets of fruit you'll have then, won't you? Right, yeah, we will, I hope so. Audrey from Haybridge. Hello, Audrey. Hello, Ken. What we got? A young cherry tree. Yes. In a pot. A couple of weeks ago, I got black fly. Badly. On the young, and it is only a young tree. I sprayed it with bug clear, and yeah. now I have nothing. But the whole top of the tree has turned brown. All the leaves have fallen off. Have I killed it? Right. When did you spray? During sunny weather? Um, would have been first thing in the morning. Right. That's all right. Okay. I would guess cherries turn in. I don't think you've killed it at all. What I often do on a cherry is honestly go around, if it's a small cherry tree, and cut those offending bits off that have got aphid on them because even Bug Clear Ultra won't actually necessarily clear it. I don't think I don't think it's a problem, do you, Christine? No. If they've um, just gone brown, is it the whole of the shoots or just the tip tip of the shoots? No, it's the the tip of the shoots. The whole of the at the top of each shoot is just. A, I just cut it out. And, and and this was where the aphid was and where you've sprayed. Yes. Cut it off. Yeah. Do cut a summer off. prune. It won't hurt at all. And it's in a pot. Yeah, just make sure that you really keep it well watered during the summer. It's going to be dry over the next few weeks, so just keep yeah, it... Yeah, I've, I've actually, I've been watering it first thing in the morning, every morning. Good, no. Good. <laughs> do that and just cut them off and you'll do no harm at all to it. And we're going to go to Vicky in Clacton, who's talking runner beans. Hello there. Hi. Good morning. I've got... I'm novice at Kirk Gardening and I've got a big pot. I'm growing runner beans. are doing really well. And Good. I checked them this morning, and underneath the leaf are tiny, tiny black bugs. They look more like flies than beetles, but I'm not sure they're so small. Could I spray Resolver Bug Killer on the underside of the leaf? Are they this... Corn, do you think they're corn beetles? Because there's corn beetles are out at the moment, aren't they? Right, the okay. little black ones. Um, right. Are I, they roundish? Let's have a look. I'm in the garden at the moment. Oh, right. Roundish bit... They, they, uh, seem, they seem like a minute fly. Oh, they're not then, are they? Are they thrips? Could be a thrip. There's no holes in the leaf? No, there's no holes in the leaf. It's just in, you know, I'm thinking, oh, what are they doing on my runner beans? Right, are they on the compost? If you rustle to touch the compost, do they fly up there? No. No. Are they causing any damage? It could be, as you said, because I can't see they're so very small. They are just like a... I suppose you would say it's a small beetle, black, yeah. tiny, tiny. Are, right. they, are they causing any damage? No, they're just stuck under there. Yeah, but I wouldn't worry about it then if they're not causing any damage. No cause damage, don't worry. It's, it's very hard sometimes to, um, you know, from descriptions to identify things, but if but, they're not causing any damage, I wouldn't worry about it. No, neither would I. And then if they cause damage, Vicky, give us a call back next week and we will answer that one, but leave one alone. Some pests are just best left, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, Alan from Ressenham, what have we got, Alan? Hello there. Uh, I've got a choice here, a Maxon orange blossom plant. Yes. When's the best time I can trim it? Is, is it out of shape or um, is it lopsided? Because with because it's an evergreen, normally you don't prune evergreens uh, unless you need to shape it or it's grown above a window or over a pathway. But if you um, did... The choice of plant is in the, in the garden and yeah. it's about uh, a metre and a half diameter 
yeah. and about the same high, and it's grown too big, really, for the area that I've got it in. Right, and well, I'd it's like going to trim it yeah. back a little bit. Well, it will get bigger than that, so you've got an option whether you think you could move it to somewhere where it's going to um, be better in that that situation. But if you did have to trim it, you would do your evergreens in April. Right. So you've just missed it, really. I mean, you could give it a little bit of a trim, but if yeah. you wanted to give it a... But just cut certain certain yeah. branches out yeah. and leave the rest. Yeah. I've got and if you did... problem. I don't seem to be able to grow azalea plants. I've tried growing them in a large, a very large pot with ericaceous compost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they don't survive. Right. What happens to them? Do they just go brown? Pardon? Do they just go brown, the leaves? Yes, they do, yes. I think you're not watering them yeah. enough. Oh, right. That's the biggest thing with, with, with plants that are in a pot, that they're just not watered enough. I'm afraid it's more water and a bit of liquid feed. Christine from Benfleet, what's your question, Christine? Um, radishes. <laughs> what's happening um, to them? <laughs> well, we've got loads of top growth, lots of leaves, but no radishes on the end of them. Little squidgy things. Um, any advice? It's usually because of the dry conditions. That's the usual. Unless oh, you're giving them like loads bolting, of water. Not, yeah. They're basically trying to bolt, which yeah. is bolting, which means they're growing top growth and they'll try going to seed. Right. They need so lots lots of moisture. Water, just keep water, water. Water, water everywhere and not a yeah. drop to drink. That's the one. Move on to Cathy from Billericay. What are we talking, Cathy? I'm talking arbutus tree. Um, yeah. Mine is about... 15, maybe 20 feet high, I'm 15. Lovely. Uh, the trouble is I'm inundated with leaves. I'm sweeping up buckets every week. So is it normal for an arbutus to lose its leaves? Arbutus, it is an arbutus strawberry tree with the yes. nice reddish yes, yes, stem. Yes. Do you know, again, yeah. it's probably do, the dry it's, weather. It's dry weather. It's yeah, a dry well, weather. I get, this, I get this every year. Uh, every year I'm always you know, sweeping up leaves and they... They're sort of spotty, then they turn yellow, and then they fall off. And they've got fungal blotch. Yeah. Oh, fungal but they just, blotch. But they just tend to, loads of plants tend to get it. Hellebores get it, Fatinias get it. What are you trying to do? Are you worried about it? or? Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering if that was usual, to shed all these leaves every year. Actually, I think what Christine... You will get leaf drop at this time of the year anyway on an yeah. arbutus, okay. but basically yeah. it's got it's got a, a fungal infection, but a okay. lot of plants do. Yeah, Red how, how can I treat that? Well, so you can... It's a huge tree. It's, you well, can't. Well, With a I huge wouldn't bother. Tree, you can't. I, I would mean, sweep up the leaves and then I would take them away from the site and then I would either dispose of them or burn them or, or so on. And uh, and so to, to stop help to help stop the spread... I hope that helps. Cathy, Maureen from Felsted. Maureen, how can we help? Um, I bought some, a very well-known weed killer, which yes. you uh, say is good. And I bought the one for nettles, dock, brambles and thistles. Yes. And I put this on my um, dandelions. Uh, about 10 days ago, and nothing's happening. Have I got the wrong one? No, you most likely haven't. Uh, this time of the year, when it's dry, it's not growing as well as it would do. <laughs> it seems daft, but dry weather, the dandelion isn't growing vigorously, therefore no. it takes longer for the weed killer to get to the root. Yeah. 
it's got to take it into its system and get it round like uh, the equivalent to the plant veins, get it round its system and so on. And that takes time in dry weather. So don't worry, yep. just be patient. Uh, Sherry and Billericke, how can we help? Oh, hello there. Um, my neighbours kindly gave me some bottles of um, homemade horse manure juice, if you like, <laughs> in two bottles. Um, and I'm not quite sure what to do with it. D- do I dilute it? What can I use it on? Or And how much per can of water, if I can? <laughs> well, I, I would I would dilute it down to about the colour of tea. Oh, so, okay. So that's quite good because I don't I can't see your um, liquid. So that's a, a good indicator. And so it looks like a bottle of Coca Cola at the moment. It's yeah, too strong. Sure. Yeah. So you would just uh, add some more add water to it till you got it to the colour of tea, and then you can use it and make sure that when you apply your liquid. Um, feed from the manure that your pots are moist before you do so otherwise you'll burn the roots the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther thanks very much for listening to the bbc essex gardening hour podcast and if you have missed any of the answers to the questions we gave you can download this program and take it with you wherever you go via our website bbc.co.uk uk slash bbc essex next week my guest will be mick lavelle from riddle university college don't forget if you have a gardening question for us why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the program every saturday morning on bbc essex from 11